HotMovies.com has long been an ethical and affordable place to hashtag pay for some of your porn. Now with Hot Movies Select, customers gain access to unlimited viewings of tens of thousands of additional films from all their favorite studios for the low, low price of $24.95. Visit HotMovies.com, click Select Unlimited, and use promo code MANHOR at checkout so they know who sent you. The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by Alt Playground. APG is more than just a place to find couples to swap with. Alt Playground is a lifestyle community for all non-monogamous and sexually adventurous people to connect and share. And you know I started a profile. Join me over at altplayground.net. That's A-L-T playground.net. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. From the bucks to the cucks, from the subs to the cubs, you're all God's horny little perverts. This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Yeah, hyped up energy. Yeah, because the alternative is... Sadness. Hi, welcome to the show. I'm your host, comedian, sad clown Billy Presida. Uh, this week on the podcast, I've got on adult performer and professional Dom King Noir. This was a really cool conversation, really smooth, engaging, intelligent. Loved it. Uh, looking forward to sharing my chat with him momentarily. But first, I got money to give away. People, there's just a little bit of time left. Time is running out to win $100 from yours truly. Yeah, all you got to do to enter is you got to share or promote the podcast in your Instagram story, and you got to tag me. That's the important part. You got to tag at Billy is Presida. Do that, and you've got a chance to win. And also, hey, you know, uh, if you have a private account, you know, send me a screenshot in the DMs. Because I don't think it shows up when you're private, but you can still get in on the action. At the end of the month, I will uh, randomly select one of those people and they'll win a $100 Amazon gift card or a $100 gift card to a local business of their choosing. Get in on this. I don't. Even, why am I doing it? Who knows? I'm just like, I have this $100 bill that I need to not have anymore. And I want to give it to you. Don't forget tag at Billy is Presida. Uh, thank you for the, for the kind words, uh, folks in, in the DMS, the emails and all that jazz, uh, regarding the breakup. I am, I'm good. I'm a really, I'm a really good neutral. Like I'm as good as one can be without actually being good. If that makes sense, you know, this is a very different kind of breakup for me. I'm used to them being louder or angrier or more eventful, I'm used to them coming with a, a loss of friends or community along with it. Uh, that's not happening here. So I'm just trying to navigate this whole being friends still thing. And uh, some of y'all have been uh, very quick, though, to come try to comfort me. And that's been really sweet. Some of y'all bought me books. Some of y'all bought me furniture. I got a bookshelf out in the mail uh, just a couple days ago. That gave me a nice, like, uh, you know, a manly post breakup activity building a shelf build the furniture feel like a man uh yeah you like you like the way my forearms look as i twist that screwdriver yeah you like seeing me flex that forearm muscle don't even know what it's called 
I like it. I've got all, all the sex gender books are are in it. It's my slutty book tree. It's mine and I like it. Before we get to this week's guest, King Noir, I got you know I got to break some exciting news because I got to announce uh, what we're doing on January thirtieth, Saturday night. January thirtieth is the next monthly Manhorn Munch, and we're playing a throwback. We're playing a classic party game. We're popping on the Zoom, and we're playing some Truth or Dare. Yeah. Oh, that was fun. We did this earlier in the quarantine. Like we we played some uh, Truth or Dare in the Peep Show with the Patreon community. So I'm bringing it back for this month's Man Whore Munch, and it's going to be on January 30th, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. All of my $7 and up Patreon members will get an invite. So if you are currently a patron and not at the $7 level and you want to join us, I think it's worth bumping it up. You can always bump it back down. Not a Patreon member? Hey, what a time to come on in and join. (laughs) Come join us to your comfort level. Although this is a boundary pushing game, so you know, do please come prepared to push your boundary at least just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> uh, become a member today. Get your invite later at patreon.com slash podcast. That's Patreon P A T R E O N dot com slash podcast. And start brainstorming some really good truths, some really uh, creative dares. And honestly, with the truths, I mean let's get let's get a little more creative. Like, yeah, I know we're a bunch of slutty sex pervert people, but also, you know, like we have lives and souls and funny anecdotes where everyone had their pants on. So let's come up with some, at least to lean into it. Like, can we not jump into who hears eating ass as the first question? Gotta, gotta pace ourselves, people. One person I hope will be joining us at the monthly man whore munch is George Duschel. Duskel. Duschel. It's German. I don't really know how to say it, but George... Here's your fan whore appreciation moment. Uh, I, I looked it up. Uh, man whore podcast is really just man whore, man here podcast. It's just man whore, but I think you just say man whore, but it's spelled differently. Uh, but I did look up to say, I think I'm doing it right. Deutscher Zuckerpapa. Thank you, Sugar Daddy. Um, no, not Sugar Daddy, just a Patreon member. Um, <laughs> you know, supporting an indie content creator on the webs. Thanks, buddy, uh, for being a member. And I hope you join us. Uh, for all the fun on January 30th. And now for this week's guest, King Noir. Uh, King Noir is one half of Royal Fetish Films, which he runs with his partner, Jet Setting Jasmine, who you're all going to hear next week. Uh, But he is a master fetish trainer. He is a pornographic star. He is a hip-hop artist. He's many things. He wears many hats. And we're we're about to go uh, dive down a rabbit hole with King Noir. Little side note, we recorded this week's episode, next week's episode, a little differently than we normally do. So you might hear like a couple times where it feels like it's skipping or as if like the Wi-Fi went out and you don't hear him speak for like literally half to a second and a half. That's because that is what happened. The Wi-Fi went out like a couple times briefly and skipped. Some of them I could fix. There were a couple that I couldn't. So don't just keep rewinding, thinking something's wrong. It's that's me. Your your file is fine. <laughs> it doesn't interrupt the conversation very much. All right, let's do. Uh, wow, I'm now doing that disclaimer, I kind of railed off the whole like, oh, let's go to my conversation with run up. So I should probably kind of pull back, rear up. I'll just go ahead and tell you, you got two ads. Okay, we're hearing from two great sponsors. 
They're both uh, they're both names that you're you're very familiar with on this podcast. And then we're gonna lean in to King Noir, and I think now we are again hyped for ads and King. Just when you thought I had nothing new to say about HotMovies.com, I do. HotMovies.com is uh, is a longtime sponsor of the Man Whore Podcast. Uh, very, very close friend of the pod. So close, we we give each other brand marketing reach-arounds at this point. Uh, we love HotMovies.com as a, an ethical and affordable place to hashtag pay for some of your porn. Hot Movies has their own subscription service. Customers who sign up get unlimited access to more than 30,000 movies from the HotMovies.com library from many of the most popular studios in the industry. They can watch as much as they want, as often as you want, all for one low price of $24.95. Plus, you get your 20 free minutes when you use promo code MANHOR at checkout. So go to HotMovies.com, click Select Unlimited at the top, and sign up today. And don't forget to use promo code MANHOR at checkout. So they know who sent you. The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by altplayground.net. Yeah, the place to go for your next non-monogamous adventure. Altplayground.net has, uh, you know, really adapted during these times of COVID to help connect like-minded people all over the country. We all know that when this is over, we are jumping on planes and fucking some people in faraway places. I think that's a lot of our impulses right now, right? Like, I know I need to get to Texas. I know that. I need to get back to California. I know there's some people I'd like to see after this long, long interlude. And APG is going to help me find even more when I'm on my travels. Check it out today and see who's in the lifestyle near you at altplayground.net. That's A-L-T playground.net. Now let's get to the show. Yeah, I, I grew up between Jersey City, Camden, and Teaneck. Those are like my three childhood homes between uh, my mother, my grandmother, and my father. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've and, bounced between all of them. I mean, I'm Jersey from north to south. I also lived in Bayonne <laughs> and uh, North Bergen. Oh, wow. All, all the bus all stops. All over Jersey. <laughs> all yeah, the major bus stops. <laughs> all the major bus stops. And then um, I lived in New York. I lived in the Bronx for a little while. But I'm, I'm a Jersey guy through and through. Right. Um, and And... Where where did you get where's like the origin story of uh of your your porn career? I think I saw something on your Wikipedia page that that you got that a a, a chick you were dating brought you into it. Well, it, it was it, we weren't particularly dating. We messed around a lot, and it was a homegirl of mine. Like we went to to high school briefly uh, together, and she was a dancer at a club in Philly. And some people saw her and was like, yo, we'd love to take some pictures of you, you know, when porn magazines were still popping, you know, and she was just like, I'll do it, but I don't want random dick in my face. So my familiar, familiar dick, dick in my face. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, that was like my first my first uh, experience with, you know, any any kind of broadcasted adult stuff. And like from there, then I started really getting into uh you know, BDSM and, and doming and doing cuckolding and stuff like that. One thing led to another, wound up on, you know, different websites, doing solo stuff, and then just started started getting into the porn. And, and I left for a little while, then Jasmine and I met, and we put together uh, Royal Fetish Films, and we've been hitting the ground running since then. Yeah, now that that sounds like a very streamlined version of things. But how how old are you that that first time when 
when the stripper was like, "Hey, can you help me out with a with a shoe?" I was eighteen. You're eighteen, and and how did yeah. you react to that? How'd she come to I you with, with it? it? I mean, she was she was she knew like at the time I had um actually I was bouncing around from spot to spot, you know, uh, staying staying in motels on Route 46 and Route 1 and 9 for for everybody that know that's from North Jersey. Um, so like a couple of them that's still standing, I, I lived in, you know what I mean? And she just knew what was that, going on in life at 18 that you were uh, bouncing around motels. Uh, I was I was wilding and my mother was like, there's no place for you here. And my my grandmother <laughs> said the same. So it was kind of like, you know, just fending for myself and and some tough how to navigate the world. Yeah. I mean, it was the best thing I feel like that could have happened to me because it, it really did make me man up and and start handling shit, you know, both between the adult entertainment stuff and the adult entertainment stuff led me to to my music and going into business for myself. So, you know, it, it needed to happen. And and Shorty had hit me up and she was like, yo, I know, I know you could use the money. I know what you're working with and I know you're not shy. So what's up? You want to make some money? And, and it, it wound up being, it, we didn't even have sex. It was all like the insinuated sex from pictures where you'd be like this close to the pussy, but you're not really right. in it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm like, oh man, this is, this is decent money for some shit that I would definitely be doing in my spare time anyway. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I would actually eat it though. I wouldn't just get that close. <laughs> I mean, I would definitely follow through in my personal life, you know, what I mean? but, but it was, it was cool. Cause um, like around that same time I had actually gotten hired off of, you know how there used to be like party lines back in the day and you just call that party line and they would give you like that like this 30 minutes is free. And then you could talk to people or whatever. Then they try to charge you. Anyway, it was like clubhouse before clubhouse. And I met this couple on there that wound up hiring me um, to basically cuckold them. Mm. So like I got paid off of that shit. Yeah. To be the bull. So I got like paid off of that shit. And like, she hit me up like right around the same time. So it was, it kind of like all fell into place. Right. Kind of like, hey, well, I'm in this situation. I need to figure out how to make money. And these are the like, I think I think society likes to think of sex work as like the easy money. Right. Like as a, like, no, oh, like sex you, work is work. Right. <laughs> is, is work. Right. But I think people think of that as like the the easy go to like, oh, I could always, you know, I mean, we're seeing it now. People are like, oh, I guess I'll start an OnlyFans or whatever, because sure. people are, you know, uh, across the nation uh, hard hit up. But it seems like back when you were in those uh, that 18, early 20s range, you were, you know, figuring it out and uh, and realized, oh, I could get paid to do some. I mean, like at the time, are you thinking of it in a bigger way or are you just thinking like, oh, here's a gig, here's a gig need to you know be able to pay the motel. Or are you thinking about it like I'm? I'm about to do sex work. Uh, it de- it definitely was. Here's a gig. Here's a gig. Because I mean, at the same time, I was you know doing day work on construction sites or delivering pizza. Like I had all the jobs that are in porn movies. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it just was a progression. But I mean, like I, I really I was in in a position where it's like, okay, um, I want to. I want to go to school because um, I, I, I had dreams of being a cinematographer and and maybe down the line, a philosophy professor, you know, so I wanted to okay. I wanted to stay in school. I was going to 
Bergen community for a while. Then I was going to Hudson. I mean, I'm going to Passaic community. Then I transferred to NJCU. So, you know, I was still trying to stay in school and schools, school's not cheap. Living ain't cheap. You know what I'm saying? Uh, especially when you're on your own at that age. So, you know, it was like sex work presented itself as I can make my own hours. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? For the most part, I can make my own hours and, and, still be able to go to school, still be able to do other work that I was doing, still be able to do music. And, you know, for, for a lot of time, like when I was first on the music scene or whatever, a lot of my peoples didn't know what I was doing. So it'd be like, yo, we had a show. I'm like, eh, I got a client. I got to cut out. So I'd be like, yo, got to go like right after the show. And they're like, why are you not hanging out? Like mind your fucking business. I'll tell you later. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and why were you not, uh, why were you not so open to share back then? Uh, back then, I mean, I put it in some music like, oh, yeah, you know, I got some pictures floating out there. I did some porn, whatever. But like people, especially because a lot a lot of the music <laughs> you were hinting in the lyrics. I'm yeah, like, I hinted in my I, lyrics for sure. I like, do if that you in my comedy my... bits. I'll be like, hey, I used to cam. That was weird. Let's do an anecdote. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to me, it's good because then, you know, uh, if somebody does bring the shit up, I'm like, I already told y'all. But but for me at the time, it was kind of like uh, I wanted my music to be taken seriously. And I wasn't particularly rapping about sex with my early music. A lot of my early music was politically and neighborhood and personal as fuck. So it was like, you know, a lot of times and especially in hip hop at in that era, you know, what I'm saying people kind of viewed like if you rapped about women and sex, then you weren't like to be respected on the same level as, you know, if you were dealing with philosophy and politics and it was like low shit. Yeah, kind of, yeah. sort of, you know, and, and then also at the same time, I'm just one of the people, uh, you know, I don't, I don't always broadcast all my moves until, you know, them shits is made. So I didn't know if I was going to stay with it, stay with it, if I was going to push it more or, or growing it. So I didn't want to just be like, yo, here's my whole hand. Instead, I wanted to see where it went a little bit more. And as the shit grew, then I was just kind of like, hey, this is what I do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so in the early times, was it mostly doing um, porn or was doing the professional bullying? I don't know if you say it, if you would call it bullying or cuckold, <laughs> bullying. Right? but yeah, it's bullying. It doesn't shitting as well. But <laughs> but like, uh, what, what were you doing probably more of back then? Definitely private sessions, uh, mm-hmm. private dancing. Um BDSM sessions, uh, you know, cuckolding sessions, uh, live sex shows, did a lot of live sex shows. That Because uh-huh. also living in New York and New Jersey at that time, there weren't a lot of porn studios that wasn't just like some guy who had some money that shot that shit in a, the back of a business in Paramus or something. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't it wasn't like there was major studios that were really shooting in New York, uh, unless you were in the more in the BDSM or the gay scene, they had, they had some studios that was really popping. And so for, for what I was shooting, it wasn't really that, but there was a lot of work in like, you know, I worked in sex clubs where I would be there putting on a show, or be a greeter, hang out with people, be a face and stuff like that too. So like there was a lot, a lot of sex work opportunities, but it wasn't like living in LA or, mm-hmm. or Miami where it's just like mad porn studios. 
And being like in your, you know, your late teens, early twenties, how did you, cause you, you already kind of allude to like, you're maybe fucking up a little bit at some point you had to get your shit together and how during those, like, I don't know. I wouldn't think of them as the most mature adult ages. How did you keep your shit together in an industry that's kind of known for fucking eating people up and spinning them out? Well, I think because I came from uh, fucking up in other ways, I knew that, uh, you know, there's consequences for shit, you know? So I did already also kind of have the idea in my head that, I'm a commodity mm-hmm. and people will use you and abuse you if you allow them to. But if if you uh, hold on to, you know, whatever, whatever it is, whether it's your your business acumen or your morals or whatever it is that that keeps you in check, then I'll be able to not completely fall off in the in the industry. Because I, I very much knew like a lot of the people that I met were like, yo, what can we what can we get out of this? this young man and make the most off of him and you know, who gives a fuck what happens to him. So I was very, very on point with paying attention to that shit. Yeah. Being like what, 2022 and like having the discipline to tell your boys at night, like if like they're, they're going to go out and have fun and for you to be like, no, I gotta, I gotta go work. Well, I mean, I I've been working, I've been working. I first started my, I had an incense and oils business when I was like 13 years old. (laughs) Really, I used to I used to ride the train in New York and sell oils on the A train and the E train. I used to do like if you was having a Christmas Kwanzaa or Hanukkah or whatever kind of event that that the schools have, like all over Jersey, I would I would sign up. Like I would get a table, pay fifty to one hundred bucks for a table to set up at an event. You know, I sold like fucking oils, incense, black <laughs> soap, like all kinds of shit. You know what I'm saying? So I've always been a businessman, and then. I started, I, I was kicked out of high school when I was 15. So I, I went to work work and started cutting raw chicken wings at Chicken Delight on Teaneck Road when I was 15. And I've been working ever since. So, you know, telling my folks that I got to work, they was used to it. I was used to it anyway. Like y'all going to school, I'm going to work right now at, at 16. So you know, it's, it it definitely like my 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 mind was mature in certain ways and in other ways. You know, you be doing a lot of wild shit when you when you're in your late teens, early twenties. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I went to I went to college here in the city. You know, probably at the height of Craigslist. Uh, you know, you're... <laughs> that sentence in itself. There's a lot of there's a lot of wild shit you can get into on Craigslist, um, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And and I definitely popped into a lot of it. And sometimes it would involve like a couple. And I, I wouldn't say like we got into the cuckolding, but I definitely like entered some marriages for an hour or two at a time. And, uh, you know, I definitely have a different mindset if I'm entering that type of space now than back then. Back then, it's just like pure sexual excitement. And then today mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, yeah, cool. That's a thing we could like negotiate and discuss. And then we could like have a really fun scene. Um, and, you know, what was it like the first time someone was like, hey, like, I want to pay you to fuck my wife while I watch? Because that's like a that's a real out there thing to be told at, at a young age or at any age. Uh, it's It's funny because I remember. Like. I like fucking and I like money. So I remember those two things like being 
brought together. I've had that. I, I can think of like experiences from my youth that I could be like, oh, I've always been this way. Like I have not really like I've grown, but I haven't varied off of like what my core fetishes are. You know, like I could still remember in middle school, this girl coming up to me and be like, let me see your dick. And I was like, oh, man, this is the greatest question a girl could ever ask me at the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is amazing. And like, you know, now motherfuckers do it all the time. You know what I'm saying? So it was like that same kind of moment where it was just like, wait, I can get paid for this? Mm -hmm. Shit. You know what I'm saying? Like on that <laughs> on that aspect. And then the other aspect, I'm like, you know, I didn't. For, like, I didn't know what cuckolding was. So I had to definitely ask a couple of questions, like, not just to the to the couple. Well, at the time, it was the husband. I hadn't even met the wife. It was just the husband on this on this chat line or whatever. And I was like, that's OK with you? Like, thinking in the back of my mind, like, this motherfucker set me up to kill me. Like, <laughs> anytime <laughs> I've seen this shit in the movie, somebody gets shot. Hmm. So, you know, like working through that aspect of it and like, I didn't, I didn't have a car at the time. I was like 18 years old and like, I got picked up. <laughs> like when you did think he about come pick shit, you up or did he send a car? <laughs> sent a car, which was cool as shit. Cause I was yeah. like out on, out on the block, like down on the corner of my block and I get, picked up in, in a nice car, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, you know, that shit was really, really fucking cool. And like, from that point on, I was like, yo, this shit is popping. Like I'm, I'm all for this getting picked up. In I'm going to fuck everybody's wife. If this is what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> also, thank God he didn't come pick you up. Cause now you just got to like sit in that car ride uncomfortably. Yes, be so like awkward. <laughs> you just be like trying to make small talk about football being like, I don't know, dude. I'm about to fuck your wife, and I've never done this for money before. So can we just and you're a Jets fan? What the fuck? <laughs> that's, that's you know what? That's a, that's a little too close to home right now. Okay. <laughs> Dur during the fucking coup, I saw um, like in the crowd, I saw a guy with a Jets jersey on, and in my mind, I wanted to be like, "Come on, Jets Nation, we're better than this." And then I was like, "Ah, look at our record. Are we? I don't know." <laughs> so so the first time you're you're being presented with these like sexual opportunities that without money would have been amazing at that age Word. but you know uh there seems to be this like uh this real maturity to go like you saw the financial opportunity not just the sexual opportunity um you also may mention how like you saw early on in the industry how like people would want to try to use you uh like an object to see like what kind of money could be made off you and that you you're going to have to defend yourself. What's that like realizing that you are a commodity? Well, I think that's in any industry. I, I think it's really easy for people to. I don't think stockbrokers think that they're a commodity. You know, like I think they go to work thinking, no, I trade the commodity. I think there's people in positions of power who don't think I mean, that not, they're the commodity. Not, what's his name? Um, Jordan <laughs> Belfort. Jordan Belfort knew he was the commodity. He knew that he was the one that he's the one that was selling shit. And I, I think. And the reason where, where I was going is like, you know, with, with sex work, because it's our bodies and you see mm -hmm. the same thing with um, like with athletes, you know, people know because it's your body and your body is doing the work like people are like, OK, it's easy to say that that person is a commodity. But like I said, I've also worked on a construction site. 
You ever be on a construction site with somebody that's got to carry heavy ass materials and they fucked up their leg or they fucked up their foot and they're in pain? Like they're not going to be able to feed their family if they're not there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if they're if there's somebody that's that's watching over a particular project on that on that line, if they're not there, somebody else is going to take their job or there's going to be a bunch of people who don't know what to do. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like in every position, people listen to this podcast for you. If somebody else was on, they might not listen. You know what I'm saying? So like every every single job that we do in across the, the board, you are a commodity, whether it's for your mm. mind, whether it's for your time, whether it's for your body. So, you know, it was kind of like understanding that from the other aspects and other work that I had already done. It was just kind of like, this even more so, you know, and when I first when I first was in it, I wasn't as as diligent as I am now. Like now it's like what I eat, you know, the amount of time that I that I spend trying to get my cardio in or my workout in or whatever. It's like I know I got to take care of myself because I am part of my I am my product. Same mm-hmm. thing with when I was doing music, like that's my mind. I got to keep my mind sharp. I got to, you know, keep my bar sharp, all that kind of stuff. So I, I think it's, if everybody realized that there'd be a whole lot more people that's just like, you know, I'm not going to take this bullshit from my job. I'm not going to take this, this bullshit from customers or clients or what, or consumers that, you know, I have to respect myself and other people need to respect me as well. And then also, you know, how we respect other people for doing their job. Mm-hmm. And in that, in those earlier days, in those earlier years, that first run, doing sex work, doing porn, you know, was there, is there an example of a time when you had to say, no, I'm not going to put up with this bullshit. And you had to kind of make that known. For sure. Uh, that has happened then and now, like, oh, it I'm sure it happens happen. plenty, but I, I, you know, <laughs> but I, I, I think, I'd be curious. I think the difference back between- then, back then there definitely was more of a light. If I say no to this, where is my next meal? or my rent coming from even, even more so, you know what I'm saying? Like, so those decisions, like, uh, I definitely was in a couple of, uh, (laughs) I had to break it off once with, uh, uh, someone I was doing duos with Mm -hmm. because we had a client who requested like some ease, Let's just say like they didn't they didn't want to be completely berated in uh, verbally or or get pushed too far to their physical limits. And, you know, do a partner I had. She's very beautiful. But I don't know, like just one day she must have came into to this session and she she done she was pissed and she like really went past this person's limit. They had to give their safety word. And, you know, this was like a. A recurring client for me, not for not for the uh, duo partner. And, you know, I had to say, like, we can't we can't work if this is how you're going to how you're going to treat this person. We had to end the session, you know, had to iron out some financial situations with the with the client, because, you know, I, I even back then I was, you know, you don't go past nobody's safety limit. You don't you don't you don't do what someone's not requesting. You know what I'm saying? Like we're, we're here as a service. We're here. The time is, you know, some wild shit is still got to maintain and be within somebody's boundaries and cutting it off with that duo partner did put me out for a couple months because 
I didn't have another duo partner to do particular mm-hmm. sessions and scenes with. So that shit was whack, but it also was respected by the client that then, you know, hey, when you do find somebody, I'll be back. You know what I'm saying? So that that was important. And you could have kept that business relationship going, but it sounds like you were able to sleep better at night because of the decision you made. Yeah, I I, I definitely think that no matter what, like if we have philosophical differences or we don't work well together for whatever reason, there's still, uh, there's always, it's always good to make things amicable and, and peaceful, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And how long was that first run? Cause you, you allude, you had mentioned earlier, like you took a break. So how long was the first run? Ah, uh, so I was 18 and then I, I guess I took a break at, Man, I got I got to think. So 2000 and like five. So let's say. Oh, I'm not good. At, I'm not good at math today. So you can you can estimate. So like, you so know, like we're that, not first, gonna... that first joint was like maybe like six, seven years. Yeah. Which is yeah. like longer than many people's entire careers in porn. <laughs> Yo. I have been, it's it's crazy. I have been a sex worker pretty much a little longer than half of my life. Wild. You know? Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, you, you see people come and go. You also mm-hmm. see other people who, who have been career sex workers as well. And, you know, it is not an easy profession. That's why it's, it is funny. Like how you said earlier, like everyone's like, oh shit, times are tight. You know what I'm saying? That's the tough part. And, you know, when the world opens back up again, if you now have, you know, your advertisements on Twitter or wherever else you you telegram, wherever, you know, now you you're out there. Not that I wouldn't be a good one, but um, I don't think I can run for Congress or the Senate or president anytime soon. (laughs) They accept crooks. They don't accept sex workers, apparently. (laughs) <laughs> so strange. Am I right? Even, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've kind of relegated myself to never getting cast in a Disney film. I can live with that. You know, I, there's, there's other I'm, places. I'm trying can... to be, um, super ho in a Marvel movie. That's Disney, right? Okay. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. I... <laughs> I could be, uh, I could be a sex worker on, uh, some random planet in star Wars. We'll see. I'm not, I'm not gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to shun them yet. I don't know. I think I could curse somebody out in Deadpool. <laughs> they just confirmed there's going to be a third. Should be an R rating. Let's there's see. Always a let's chance. see. You, you look like a superhero, a superhero who like maybe took some of Spike Lee style with those glasses. Yeah, these but glasses, otherwise, like these a, are the drums right here. <laughs> now, that would be hot. If, if Spike want to do a superhero movie, I'm all in that shit. Super ho movie, <laughs> like a super gigolo type of thing. <laughs> that would be wild. Uh, oh, what would your superhero name be? The Black Bull? That just that just seems natural. <laughs> it has alliteration in it. I don't know. That one uh, <laughs> that one might get misconstrued at some point. And if somebody called me that that I wasn't comfortable with, it could they'd have to see, you know, my uh atomic elbow drop, John. You know what I mean? But I, I don't know. I, I think I think it would be interesting to see a movie, like not even really a superhero movie, but a movie about sex work that isn't only the horrific side you know because there are some mm-hmm. people who have experienced like like you know there's gonna be good there's gonna be bad in everybody's life but like to show the full experience 
You know, like I, I think there have yeah. been some films that have been good, but I mean, I also know, you know, when it comes to Hollywood, they got to have a certain level of of drama and and all kinds of other shit to like pull people in. But but I do think um, there can be some better portrayals of it. And I also think, you know, uh, sex workers who who don't fit that particular mold of like Julia Roberts, pretty woman would just be interesting mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. And if we could get like if we could get one where even maybe the sex work isn't the central focus, they happen to be a sex worker. It comes up. But, you know, y'all y'all live lives exactly. outside of the job as well. Y'all have a a, a funny incident that happens at the supermarket Word. that has nothing to do with being a hoe. Right. It's like um, to be able to like normalize it in that way. And like if it can also be a character who's not like a hundred and twenty five pound blonde white lady um, that could work. That could work, work. too. But, but, you know, I mean, I think that would be great. I, but I think society, you know, needs to also be moving along, obviously, how we view sex workers. And I actually just asked this of Jesse Sage, who I just recorded with. And I know you were just on her show where so like after column um, after after uh, Sandy Hook. Right. They shoot up a bunch of babies. I think surely they'll do some like gun control stuff now, like. They shot up actual like whole school kids, right? Like little kids, not even a high schoolers who kind of look like adults sometimes. And I was like, surely they'll do something. And they did nothing. And so I left that going, well, I guess they're not going to do anything. So similarly, right now, where we're probably seeing the most people dabbling in sex work than probably ever have before, um, if we don't exit the quarantine feeling a little more... Uh, humanizing sex work a little bit more because we have like six friends who'd had an OnlyFans for a minute. Do you think there's any hope of us humanizing sex workers? That's a really good question. Uh, I mean, Beyonce mentioned OnlyFans, so that was helpful. Uh, (laughs) No, I think, I think when it comes to the humanity of people across the board, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like we live at a time when, humanity isn't isn't really appreciated at all so then when people feel like they have a leg up on you in anything they'll kind of like use that leg to kick your ass down so it's it's kind of tough uh i think going back to lawmakers you have a lot of lawmakers who you know want to push all these kind of laws that that are detrimental to sex workers. And I'm talking about when I say sex workers, I'm talking about people who want to be there. Sex workers who are choosing that as a profession, not someone who's for trafficking yeah, victims. Those yeah, are they're totally two different, different things. things, but they're trying to lump all of it together. And until people can have a nuanced view of humanity in general, like, for example, you know, if you think that anyone who does sex work is doing it because they're trafficked or doing it because they have no choice, you know, then you're not really having a full perspective on sex work. It's kind of like how, you know, people think that all black people are one particular way. Like, no, we all have unique opinions because we're individuals and we're human beings. Right. So it's kind of like that mm-hmm. same thing. So I, I, I think it will push in the mainstream, more people are accepting of it. You still have people who um, don't want to see more specifically than sex workers in general, but more specifically women and uh, non-binary and and trans folk and specifically uh, BIPOC people that I just mentioned um, have any kind of uh, 
agency over themselves and their bodies and how they make money and what they have to say and all that kind of shit. Like they're always going to be people that's going to kind of try to crush that. So Mm -hmm. maybe there's a step where it's like, Oh, that influencer that I liked on Instagram uh, has an OnlyFans. Maybe they're not all bad. You know what I mean? Like maybe that's the one thing, but I, I don't, or even like, hey, my friend who like temporarily lost her job, she started webcamming yeah. a little bit. She stopped when she got her job back, but like she didn't become like a moral degenerate just because she webcammed for six months. Right. Yeah. I mean, that'd be great. But the thing is, it's it's kind of like the people who make the laws like in the general public. I think most people know somebody who has stripped or done camming or done porn. Yeah, but I think something. they think things of that friend. I think they have opinions of their friend because of the sex work. We already know that public opinion changes laws. Weed is like basically, I mean, weed is popping look right at how, now. My weed we're, stocks. In, we're in 2020. <laughs> and yeah. I know people who have done five plus years over having like a gram mm-hmm. or less than a gram. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's changing... The thing is kind of like going back to your comment about white women that are 125 pounds. Pit bulls are accepted dogs now because white women who are 125 pounds have pit bulls. Back in the day, you walk around with a pit bull, people think you a thug or a gangster. Weed, because white people are smoking weed and white people are starting companies that are not, it's okay. But back in the day, we used to get harassed by the police for smoking. You know? No, you get locked up for smoking. Like I'm from Jersey, you in Jersey, the shit is legal in Jersey. Now I know people yeah. who are still locked up because of marijuana offenses in New Jersey until they let those people out until they let people, uh, people of color who pushed marijuana, whether it be from music, weed culture, different, um, scientific advancements in growing and things like that, you know, until those people actually let into the industry, it's still that same particular view. It's still that same, but like, if it's white, it's all right. If it's anything it's else, it's, it's oppressing you, you know? So it's tough. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's kind of going to be the same thing with sex work to a certain extent where it's like, oh yeah, like she she had that OnlyFans. She's, but I already view her, she's a white woman. So I don't you have to that start particular as something view that of I her. respect. Yeah. Right. You have to start as something I respect and then dabble in some sex work. You can't be in sex work. And then I respect you. You have to sh- you have to almost prove that you could do a real job if you wanted to or something, I mean, as opposed to those people who only do it because yeah. they couldn't. Or something. And then there's also just that view. I mean, shit, even if uh, <laughs> even if you are the most qualified black man for the job, people will still say you got that because of affirmative action or they'll say you were born in Kenya, you know what I mean? And you don't, <laughs> and you don't deserve the job. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's still, it's still pretty tough. And then also, you know, for example, if you're a trans person, people will have this like particular idea of you anyway, or, you know, yeah. so I, I, I think it's, it's kind of like certain steps, but it's baby steps. Well, then here's a question for you. So we're, we're seeing now how weed is being legalized and decriminalized and we, you know, state by state. And it looks very clear, like it's going to be decriminalized federally, you know, pretty soon. And we're seeing things that are not like, I'm glad you bring up that there, you know, you still, you know, we still got a lot of like 
people of color who are locked up for having small amounts of marijuana. And that obviously needs to change. What are some of the things that have happened in the steps towards legalization and decrim of weed that you that we can avoid uh, as we eventually one day, I hope, decriminalize sex work, whether that's three years from now, 10 years from now? Whatever. Like what what are the follies we've learned from the weed decrim we could apply to sex work decrim so it's not just white people at the top constantly making the profit? That's a really good question. Um, I think all I got is questions, <laughs> no answers. No, I think I think that's a good question because if you look at like with with weed, like weed has a lobby. You know what I'm saying? What's his name? Um John Boehner, the former speaker of the house, is a weed lobbyist. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So if if it comes down to it and sex work is the same way, right? If if it starts taking those same things, if you're only awarding uh legal permits to major companies like Brazzers, right? And then only uh these companies who who or companies that are aligned with politicians. Or or companies that are aligned with rich people, like what was that shit in Ohio where um dude from one of the boy bands was uh what's his name Lance Bass Nah Nah that's the astronaut um Nick Lachey Nick Lachey in Ohio was the face of a company. See, I'll be, I'll be doing my research on this. Legal oh, right, shit. right. Of a growth. Yeah. Farm, right? He was, he was the face and of so it. One of, he got one of the few, yeah. the few licenses happened to go to the 98 degrees. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, if, if it goes down in that same kind of way, and then you're not awarding legality to individuals or, mm-hmm. If it's like, yo, this particular zone, it's not okay. This particular zone, it is okay. But that particular zone is out of reach for people who don't have a certain amount of money or whatever the case being. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, I I think that it's just like the laws and the steps to those laws have to be accessible to everybody. And I think like it's kind of like the thing I remember back in the day, like I had a homie that in like the 90s. He used to grow weed on his fire escape and it was some of the best weed that I ever had in my life to this day. (laughs) Right. And he was just like super, super talented. Like this, this, this man can just hook the shit up. Like he, he was a botanist. Right. But due to. Why wasn't he in charge of the vaccine? He sounds like a genius. (laughs) I don't, like, no, I don't no, know I've got something going on in my wine, wine cellar. <laughs> I don't know if weed and vaccine is close, but I don't know if you gave him a chance. I, I think it just had to do with like, you know, we used to always joke with him. Like, there's no way that this shit will be legal in New York and New Jersey. He lived in the Bronx. And it was like, no way it'd be legal mm-hmm. in New York, and New Jersey, if every motherfucker like you could just grow that shit. Because it's like, mm-hmm. you know, think about alcohol. People back in the day, I mean, they still do in the South, you know, make they moonshine or whatever. but there's a certain government regulation because they're going to want their fucking taxes. So if if every asshole in the street could just make fucking moonshine and drink that shit, they're like, damn, what's the point of making it legal if we can't get our money? So I, I feel like that's where it's going to be interesting in regards to sex work, where it's going to be like, how are they going to regulate it? How are they going to do all these other things, which is where it becomes like, do we want it legal or do, do we want it decriminalized? 
You know what I'm saying? So well, now one one thing is when you bring up the taxes, I think a lot of people don't realize, and obviously not everyone does this. <laughs> you know what I mean? My OnlyFans is taxed. Yep. And even if you even if you're doing client work or session work like that, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say every every pro dom like fully files taxes for all the income, but like they file in taxes I as definitely some, do. and they're figuring out what to call themselves, but they so the, the people instantly want to say no one needs to be regulated for taxes. And I'm like, what do you mean like the sales tax? Because like the the provider is fucking doing taxes already. Yeah, we we definitely so it's pay like, taxes. Um the locations if you own a dungeon you're paying your property mm-hmm. taxes so if you're smart the people who come in session there they you know all the dungeons mm-hmm. i session at there's a list you know what i'm saying there is there's receipts you know keeping people, track, yeah. people are able to maintain their anonymity um clients are able to maintain their anonymity but the the dungeon itself is paying its taxes the like the transactions are kept track yeah of. transactions are but like you could keep your am- anonymity in the sense of like you know, they're not like uh, calling Mr. Smith to the front right now. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. no, that shit don't happen, you know? So I think it's decriminalization is important, but then the legal aspects of everything has to include everyone. It can't be like, you know, we can't have like the Monsanto of sex work. <laughs> you exactly. Know we don't saying? want brothels. That, we, we don't want Hilton Hotel to like be one of the three chains that are even allowed to have brothel licenses exactly. or something right yeah, it like can't be that way so so what but what regulations are a good idea if any when when i was in when i was in germany uh i was in ah shit, no, hamburg i was in hamburg germany hmm. and it was so funny because my reputation preceded me and one of the people that i was on tour with this is some strictly music shit but the guy was just like you want right. to go to the red light district don't you <laughs> I was like, I mean, I, just calling you I'll out. Check it. Like, uh, <laughs> I'll check it out. But, but I mean, it, it was interesting because I'd never been any place that sex work was legal. So we went mm-hmm. to the red light district, and first and foremost, you know, people were not, or the providers were not outside on the street, um, kind of like all in people's faces, you know. That yeah. that's that's one thing which is safer for the sex worker where they can't just get snatched up. You know, um, people had, you know, uh, it was kind of like windows. They would open the curtain and turn on the light if they were mm-hmm. available. They weren't close the shit up um, like the the safety in knowing, like for people who want to remain anonymous, the, the area itself is kind of like walled off. Um, you're not being outside to the elements, which which fucks you up and gets you sick. You know what I'm saying? Everybody there is tested. Everybody like like that's one of the regulations that I thought that was really really dope. That if you're a sex worker, which, which one? The, you can go to whatever your local uh, health provider is. You get tested, and that test is something kind of like if you go to a restaurant and they get the motherfucking the the grade you know what i'm saying like you have your you, test in a way that is still uh that that you can provide show people like yo i was tested i'm safe you know and that's, right. it's like this pussy is an a uh we've upgraded from a c plus with some penicillin and we are ready i mean this is pussy butthole mouth whatever you know what i'm saying like it's whatever you are into but i but i think that's important and then also like yo there are 
There are people who prey on sex workers because they know that a sex worker is 9.9 times out of 10, not going to be either able to go to police. The police won't won't respect them, listen to them, or the police are going to prey on them too. So having a location where they know they're safe, where they know, you know, local law enforcement is not allowing people to fuck with them, is not allowing people to prey on them, makes it also safer for everybody involved, you know? So they view the shit as work out there, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like you clock in, you clock out and, and you are able to uh, keep your health, maintain your health. It's not like when you go there, you have to, you know, a lot of sex workers aren't able to tell their their healthcare providers what they do for work. And if they do tell yeah. their healthcare provider, their healthcare provider is now going to be judging them. So maybe, maybe you have a stomach ache because you ate something that you shouldn't have fucking eaten, <laughs> but your healthcare mm-hmm. provider is like, you have a stomach ache because you're a hoe. You know what I'm saying? Like, or whatever other dumb shit they say. And they, and they treat you in a way that makes you want to skip out on healthcare, you know? So I, I think mm-hmm. that that's very important. And, and that makes things safer for everyone, keeps everyone healthy. You know, there, there's so many ways that you can have checks and balances where people will not feel like, you know, the government is all in their dick hole. But, you know what I'm saying? Actually yeah. working to keep everyone safe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Another thing, I remember when I went to Red Light District in uh, Amsterdam, uh, they had like a, a thing of the little pamphlets, like sexual health pamphlets, yep. consent stuff. Like they had all these, you know, like when you go to a job, like you, you work at a restaurant and in the back they have like those things that uh, OSHA mandates that they have uh, like a little poster that tells you about like, you know, food safety and whatever they kind of had that but like in each of the rooms in the red light district in amsterdam i was like i like this you know like are people typically not going to take the pamphlet of course but like i was curious i still have them i was just looking in my drawer for them like it's uh so you know like mandating that there's information i just kind of would love to see sex work treated like any other boring fucking job You know, it's like, yep, we've got a stupid laminated poster that no one reads. We have some pamphlets you can take if you want. Um, like, I want, I want to be treated just as as boring. I've, I've been to a lot of dungeons that actually has, you know, like most dungeons will have their house rules up as soon as yeah. you walk yeah. in and, and, and other information mm-hmm. throughout, which is good. Yeah. T- tell us a bit more about the dungeon. Um like the dungeon culture tell tell us about like what a dungeon is i don't know if i know we've talked about on this show for many years like you know about things that have happened in dungeons that someone has worked in a dungeon but i don't know if we've ever like really got an explanation of like how a dungeon works like these pro these professional oftentimes i think they operate in a sort of legal gray zone but they're not like purely illegal um dungeons like what 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 are those well, about dungeon how a dungeon work? is usually uh they're legal because there's no sex that is exchanged, you know? Um, and really it's kind of like, I, I look at dungeons as kind of like a, a mix between a gym and a, and a, and a theater, you know, mm-hmm. you go in there, you, ha- if you have a particular fetish or a kink that you want to experience, it is good to experience that fetish or kink with a trained professional. You know, there's certain things that it's great to try with your lover or your partner or whatever, but 
if neither of y'all know what you're doing, you can get seriously fucking hurt. <laughs> so, you know, they're the, in a dungeon, either you can go to ha- hire a professional dominant or a professional submissive, or you could just rent the space to use on your own, like with you and your partner or something like that, just to, just to have fun. But I would always suggest uh, speaking with the professionals first. But it's like, you know, certain rooms have themes. So it might be, you know, let's say medieval torture kind of thing. And it looks like a, a room out the Spanish Inquisition. And then it might be another room that's a little bit more playful. And and like this, uh, a dungeon I work out of often in, in Los Angeles called Sanctuary. And they have yeah. a, uh, they have one room and it's like this huge, it's like a, What's the, what's the right way to say it? It's kind of like a, like a wardrobe closet. And it's for people who like plant like a DDLG, like daddy dom, little girl, mm-hmm. or, or like dress up fetishes in that kind of way. So it's like you wouldn't expect yeah. to see this room next to a room that has a, a pillory and, and a whipping booth. You know, I mean, a whipping pole right. or something like that. But then there's this one room; it's just mad bright and 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 whatever. So it's like, you know, a dungeon doesn't particularly have to be dark and gloomy. It can really range, but it it is about experiencing and living your kinks and fetishes in a in a in a private way. Yeah, and and are you paying? Um, do you like pay the dungeon like a fee to like? have a room for a day or like how does it work as from the sex worker point of when view? when i shoot uh scenes there i i just rent it out so you know we mm-hmm. like I, I have a whole series of scenes that i've shot at sanctuary lax and for the day or, or a couple of hours um if i'm seeing clients sometimes i just session there like i i, I work as a dom for for sanctuary so if you're coming there and you right. you're looking for a dom you're like oh you know what I'm saying? So it'll it'll work like that. And then then it's the uh fees are broken up. Like what's it like being a, a pro male dom? What are your what's your clientele like? What's your marketing like that's gonna be different than say, you know, like male escorts or uh you know women doms or or whatever. I feel like it's a I just feel like it's a very, very small group of people who are pro male dominance. For me, um, marketing wise for me is a lot about showing people what I'm capable of in regards to the different equipment I use. Um, and a lot of people find me through my actual porn scenes that do involve BDSM. (laughs) And it's just like, yeah, you can experience this without the fucking part. You know, so is that common with people who do specifically fetish, uh, fetish porn? Is it common for them to also do client sessions? Uh, it really depends on the person, you know, um, and my, my clientele ranges. I have women, men, non-binary trans, like I have all types of clientele. I work with everybody. Um, I also teach. So work on everyone equally. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I do. I work with everybody. So if you want to get flogged, you can get flogged. I, 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 my my floggers, um, my floggers touch everybody. Whoever needs whoever needs a good flogging. But um, mm-hmm. I think for I don't know. I, I I think 
it really does come down to what people are looking for specifically. Because some people, they want to learn how to. So a lot of men are more comfortable learning from another man. You know, um, like, oh, I want to flog my girlfriend the way you flog somebody in a movie or some shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, they feel more comfortable with that sometimes. Um, And I think also for me with, with my clientele, who are, let's say, trans or, or non-binary, they know that I'm not, I'm not here. Like I'm open and 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 work with everybody. So they feel more comfortable with me than maybe they will with some some other um male dominance. Someone off scruff or whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't Bet know. If they, I, I have my yeah. scruffy days or whatever. I think it just has more to do sure. with, you know, I'm an ally and an advocate. So I think people are right. more comfortable. I, I was mean by by the sheer virtue that they're in the room oh, with okay, you. Yeah. Like they know that it's all yeah, good, that safe. as opposed to meeting up with some a random dom on a fet life who yeah, whatever. You yeah, know, I that's, think that, that's why I was not nah, for sure. Like I think that does help me out a lot that people are like, yo, I can actually check this dude out. I can see his life, I can see where he's been, what he's done, people who have worked with him. And like my best, my best advertising always is word of mouth. You know, if someone says I had a great time working with King or having King work on me or whatever, you know, that's that's better than a million Facebook posts, you know, because or or like paying for a, a million Facebook posts or something, you know, because it's like that person is saying they had a good time. They were safe. They learned something, whatever the case be. Sure. And uh, and before we go, you know, so you took that time you, you did. You, you were in the adult industry for six, seven years, whatever. You took some time off um, and now you, you're you're back in it, crushing it. You got this. Uh, you got Royal. Is it Royal Fetish? Films, yes, it is. Right? Royal Fetish Films that you run with with your partner, Jet Set and Jasmine. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a bit about like that return to the adult industry and and running RFF. So when I had left, I left because I was primarily doing music, but also because I started doing some community work that, you know, people don't understand you can do both or, you know, you can't, you know, as a sex worker, there's some. They don't always want the porn star around the kids. There you go. So um, actually the program I was working with was, was cut and I need to work. And somebody I know was like, I need a male dancer for a party. I was like, I'll do it. And it went over really well, started doing parties in um, Jersey and New York. And I wound up meeting Jasmine around that time. And she was doing parties where she was teaching women how to, how to pole dance and, you know, like sex toys and all that kind of stuff. And she, and we merged our talents together and we started doing fantasy flight parties all over the world, actually. Um, And primarily our, our um, parties, were for were for women and the I guess the age range was like 25 to 45, primarily um black and brown women. And they were like, how come when we watch porn, that shit is racist? <laughs> you know, I don't see any particular uh depictions of you know black love or passion or we're fetishized and stereotyped in so many different ways. Like what can we do? We need somewhere else to go. And that's why we started Royal Fetish Films. And the first full film that we ever did won a full length feature at, at the FETCON, the FETCON Fetish Awards. And we wound up winning the next two years after that. And it just kind of like cemented us in a place of, 
you know, people look for us of, of all races, of all genders, of all orientations for passionate, kinky, you know, hardcore fetish films. So, you know, uh, right now we, we are, we have RoyalFetishXXX.com, but we also uh, license some films to, to different sites. And we also have a deal right now with Kink.com where we're doing socially distant BDSM scenes for them. So trying to help people expand their 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 sexual activity during this time of COVID to, you know, if you have to be socially distant from your partner or you're meeting somebody and you want to actually you know, get to know them or experience them in a different way. And y'all can't be there one-on-one -on -one in person. You know, we teaching people how to socially distance their kink and, and get it in, in, in all kinds of creative ways. That's dope, man. And, uh, and where can, where can listeners find more of you? I know you also do uh, music. I'm sadly, we didn't get to get too much to that, but where can they find all the, the awesome things that you're up to? Yes. Google. Google me. No, um, kingnoir.com has <laughs> links to everything that I do. That is actually a safe for work site. Um, kingnoirxxx.com is not safe for work at all. Uh, royalfetishxxx.com. You can find me at the real King Noir on Instagram and at K-I-N-G-N-O-I-R-E on Twitter and OnlyFans. And of course, all social media platforms um i mean i'm all music platforms just search my name and check out my album uh the royal fetish experience fantastic dude uh, dude this was great uh thank thank you so much for making the time hopefully our, our we'll be able to cross paths at one of those conventions one of these hopefully. days uh when conventions come back yeah yeah can't wait for i'll probably um, um yeah man. when when shit actually gets back rolling i i will because i haven't haven't been back to Jersey in a minute. So I gotta, I gotta run up to Jersey. You say you, you was like you, you over on the Hill, right? You say you was on like, uh, my, well, my <laughs> awkward, my, my now as in like three days ago, ex-girlfriend, uh, lives up on the Hill oh, shit. in JC, but we're, we're good where I think we'll be hanging out there, uh, in the post core, uh, just fine. But yeah, no, I, I, uh, I pop between Jersey city and Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and when I'm, when I'm back up North, I am too. So if, if there's any time for it, even if we just grab a drink or something. Oh, I'd love that, dude. You're very fun to talk Likewise. to. Um, this is fantastic. Yeah, man. Uh, well, why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody? Uh, and then you can take care of the <laughs> Yo, kids screaming in the background. Shut up. <laughs> Uh, you know, everyone, uh, you know, tune into the episode with Jet Setting Jasmine that will be out in a week or two. And you'll we'll hear about the sex positive parenting there you go. Uh, seminars you all do. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yo, thank you all very much for tuning in. It was really great to be on the show. I appreciate you, man. Oh, cuckolding, polyamory, doming, legalizing versus decriminalizing sex work and all and dungeons. Learned about how the dungeons can work a bit, right? I want to know what you thought about this episode. I want to know what you think about those topics on our brand new Discord server, The Champagne Room. Yeah, it used to be an exclusive secret Facebook group, but now I'm opening it up to the masses because I'm just that kind of guy. I know channel, server, confusing words. Just go to manwhorepod.com slash Discord, and I promise we'll get you acclimated and we'll get you in on the fun. You know what else is fun? Winning free money. So don't forget to promote the Man Whore Podcast, to share the Man Whore Podcast in your Instagram story, and to tag me at BillyIsPerceda. One of you at the end of this month is going to win $100. Isn't that cool? 
And if you want to see like my more my sexier Instagram, so to speak, the place where you can get a little more of an explicit visual representation of this man whore podcast host boy, uh, you can follow my free OnlyFans at OnlyFans.com slash call me Billy. Y'all know that uh, all my links are in the show notes. You know the deal. Uh, I, I failed to write down any and all things I'm supposed to plug during the outro in my notebook for some reason. So I, I'm not really sure what else to plug right here. I hope you're following the fans, checking out the Patreon, uh, and tagging me in your Instagram story. I think those are the most important things. Next week we're gonna hear from King's. Uh, we're gonna hear from King's partner, Jet Setting Jasmine. Another fantastic, captivating conversation. You shouldn't miss it. Uh, your friend shouldn't either. Stay slutty. It's the vibrator that has no equal. And now, Motor Bunny offers their thrusting sex machine, the Motor Bunny Buck. Enjoy a fan whore discount at manwhorepod.com slash motorbunny or use promo code manwhore at checkout.